to 1001 Books, the podcast where we talk about the 1001 books the experts say you're supposed to read before you die and decide if they are really worth our time. I am Chelsea and I am a lover of any book that's going to give me a good cry and Harry Potter. I'm Nicole and I love Harry Potter too and every historical fiction book I can get my hands on. Yay! Yay! So, Chelsea, here we are at book 24. How's life? Uh, it's going well. It's officially summer, so... You're I'm on break. into the break. <laughs> so exciting. Uh, so jealous, but yeah. I also wouldn't want to have to work as hard as you do during the rest of the year, <laughs> or spend as much of my own money on my job as you do. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> so, you know, it's a mixed bag. Um, what have you been reading lately besides our podcast book? Yeah, I recently started um, An Ember in the Ashes by Saba Tahir. It is a book, um, book one in a series of books, but I've read this one before, but I really want to reread the whole series because the final one just came out. <laughs> How many books is in the series? Three. It's oh, only three. Okay. Um, but it's a really cool series. It's um, fantasy, but it's based in something that feels kind of like an ancient Roman like mm-hmm. emperor empire cool. that has like if it had evolved following its trend kind of sure. thing. Um, so it's really interesting. I really liked the book the first time. There's cool, like, um, the society has enslaved a whole population of people, um, and they have also really militarized their society. So there's this cool mash of, like, two perspectives because it's told in, like, a flip-flopping narrative. Oh, I like that, yeah. Um, and so I really liked the first book, but when I read it, the first book had just come out, and it was, like, six years ago. And now all three are five years ago. And now all three are out. And so I really want to read them all together um, as one. And so I got the first one from the library. And I'm on hold for the second, too. So we shall see. All right. That's nice. What about you? Um, I just read Hunger by Roxane Gay, which is like a memoir. Um, and I it was really good. Like, it's, um, it's about body image and mm-hmm. stuff. And I really liked it. But it got a little bit – it was – it was unlike anything – I'd never read a memoir about this kind of topic, and so I thought it was really good for being unique, but it got a little bit repetitive to me. Mm. Uh, and so by the end, I was kind of like, yep, uh-huh. But I feel like it was powerful because the reason it felt repetitive is because she wasn't, like, wrapping up her experiences with a bow. She was just like, this is painful, and I still struggle, and I've learned these things, but these things are still painful. And um, so I really respect that's how she wrote it rather than kind of turning it into a diet book. Which would have yeah. been made it really total bullshit, you know? I felt like it was very authentic. But then it also felt, it also, like, I like it. I like an in fiction narrative. I want it to wrap up with a bow, you know? So and so I was kind of torn like, oh. about it. Yeah. But I really like her in general. So it was, it was definitely worth the read. Um, well, so this week, we're, we also read for the podcast, book 24, The Talented Mr. Ripley by Patricia Highsmith. This book came out in 1955, um, and it's an American novel. Um, so, yeah, and it's pretty, pretty cool. It was a pretty quick read, I yeah, thought. Yeah, it was only, out. it was 250, 60 pages, but it flew by. It was really fast to read. It only yeah. took like three or four hours to read the book. Yeah, yeah, it was really fast. Um, and so for our quick plot, oh, I'm skipping ahead. I really am struggling with order today. For our one-word description, what did you say? I said no remorse. Yes, and I said sociopath. Yes. <laughs> so that kind of gives you a hint as to what this book was about, but 
Um, just to give you a little bit more, our quick pot says, Tom Ripley takes advantage of an opportunity to travel to Italy. While there, he meets and becomes enamored of Dickie Greenleaf and begins down a dangerous path of obsessive emulation that leads him to murder. All right, now we're going to get into the more detailed plot of this book. So if you don't want to hear about that until you've read it yourself, you can skip ahead to the time marked in the show notes to hear our final segment. Perfect. So... A little bit more of a detailed plot. This book is set in what we think is the 1950s. Yes. um, By some references that are in the novel. And it follows Tom Ripley as he travels to Italy and um, befriends. I'm saying that in quotes because he doesn't really seem like he has the power to actually be friends with people. But be friends. um, Dickie Greenleaf. And he really starts to kind of fall in love with the privileges that Dickie seems to have. So his money that he's getting from his father, um, his freedom to do what he wants, uh, his ability to kind of travel without Mm -hmm. any um, limitations. And he doesn't feel like Dickie is using that well. And so he gets very... um, upset with Dickie as he can see Dickie starting to push him away and ends up murdering him in a pretty callous way like he thinks through like if I murder him I actually kind of look like him so I could become him first degree murder for sure premeditated and it was very um so his whole idea is because this is in the time of the 1950s where it's a lot of wires and just telephone calls still um he can just he looks close enough to Dickie that he's going to take his passport. So essentially, he's going to become Dickie and really take over his life. And he does really creepy things. Like he's memorized Dickie's signature so that he can sign for his stuff. And Dickie's real name is Richard, which is a sign of that this is the 1950s, that that's his nickname is Dickie. Um, <laughs> he uh, uh. Sign, figures out a signature so he can sign for things. He studied letters that he has written so that he can write in his tone of voice. He's figured out how to emulate his facial expressions in all situations. And so it's really an obsessive yeah. kind of um, stealing of his life from him. And then throughout the course of the novel... He starts to, um, he's living in Rome. One of the friends finds him, so he murders the friend. Yeah, for the first person who's, like, starting to figure it out. Yeah, he murders him and tries to hide it. And then, basically, it's, like, a chase, kind of, where, like, people are trying to see if it it, if he's the one who did it, but he like outsmarts them all in the end. Yeah, he goes back to being himself, and then he ends up he like forges a will from Dicky, and he ends up he doesn't get charged with either murder, and he inherits all of Dicky's money. And he gets convinces everyone that Dicky committed committed, committed suicide, suicide. Uh, and that or either like or like just kind of like disappeared and like ran off and to live under a new different name and they never find him so he like totally gets away with everything at the end yes uh, and then well which you kind of i knew he was going to get away with it because there's four more novels mm-hmm. about him so obviously this is the beginning of a series so obviously he couldn't go to prison right yeah now. but it was still <laughs> really um i found this book kind of terrifying like how yeah. um a This woman wrote this novel. Her mind is real creepy. B, how um, just... There was no empathy 
for he had right. no empathy at all for anyone or anything um and so it was very much like he was totally a sociopath right and when like after he's committed the two murders and he's like he really wants to go on a trip to greece uh, and he's like sad that he has to go as himself instead of it as Dickie, and he just wants to have good feelings when he goes on that trip to Greece. But then when things keep interrupting him getting to leave for that trip because the police want to ask him questions, it's like what an inconvenience. Mm-hmm. It's not even like it's not even that. There's no guilt at all. No. It's just that it's um he's very disconnected from people, and he he doesn't he even when he's being himself, Tom Ripley, what I presume is his original person, mm-hmm. um he talks about it as playing the part of Tom Ripley. Yeah. He doesn't, he always, everything he does in life, he feels like he's just playing a part. And the way that he'll practice, like, oh, I know that this police person is going to ask me questions. He'll, like, review and review in his mind what he's going to say until he really believes, like, that's mm-hmm. what really happened to the point where he, like, freaks himself out that later in the book that, like, shoot him out because there's a moment where he thinks he might kill a third person and then he doesn't, but he he visualize it so clearly he's like what if i confess to the murder and she's standing right next to me yeah you know like so he's really in deep with it well and it's very interesting at one point when he is first taking dickie's personality he um talks about how he has to practice being himself but so he doesn't forget so his own voice. Forgot his own yeah. voice and his own expressions. Gosh, how creepy is that? That's it so- was yeah, and it was yeah. very interesting because everything was just so methodically like people were pieces on a playing board for him. Yes, yeah. there wasn't any like human connection. It was like the I want this, so I'm gonna manipulate this situation to get this. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, yeah. That's the whole book right there. <laughs> And it was interesting because anytime he was feeling something like fear or anger or what might have turned into human emotion, he would like, it would talk through his like thought spiral of how he got himself back under control. Yeah. Or, or he would do something like once he was on the, when he was on the boat to Greece, he like befriended a really old lady that he said would normally have disgusted him, but he was feeling guilty. And so he was just really nice to this lady for like five days on the boat. And then that was like enough. Clean slate. Mm-hmm. I've been nice to this one old lady. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So just, yeah. He's a very interesting character and well thought out and creepy. Yeah. Uh, do you, do you find him sympathetic in any way? It's interesting because at the beginning he talks about his aunt in a couple of situations and it comes up a few times who raised him because his parents just disappeared. It doesn't say how, um, and he talks about how she um, called him a sissy and she didn't think he could do anything. And she thought he was like his dad. And she was very reprehensible. Like on the freeway, she drove away from him while he was out of the car um, while traffic was speeding up and made him catch up to the car. Like yeah. she wouldn't stop it for him. And then when he was crying as a child, when that happened, she called him a sissy. So it's very interesting because... I don't think he's likable in any way. And I don't think I really have, like, pity for him. (laughs) But I do think it's interesting to think about, A, is he a reliable narrator? Is that actually what happened? Because you don't know. Yeah. And B, I always wonder when you're looking at people in real life, too, like news articles and things about people who are sociopaths, um, 
that is kind of like a, a brain wiring. So is that something that is taught as like an impact of what's happened to you? Or is it something that a brain is yeah. just wired to that and you need intensive therapy to not be that? I know. I feel like we don't scientifically know if sociopaths are born or made. Yeah. We don't know. And so it's interesting yeah. because if, if he's made, if what he's saying from this narrative of his aunt. His bad childhood. Is true. Know, yeah. You feel a little bad for him, but at the same time, I don't think any amount of bad things happening to you excuses bad behavior. Yeah. Under any, like, yeah. it might, like, I never was taught that you don't steal, so I stole food. Is, like, understandable. I never was thought you don't taught you don't steal, so I robbed a bank. Is not. Like, I never was taught to be kind to people, so I don't say please and thank you. Makes sense. I never was taught to be kind to people, so I murder people without caring. Does not. Well, and even if it was like I had a bad childhood, so I murdered someone, but I feel so much regret about it, would feel different than I had a bad childhood and I can murder people and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, because I don't think, you know, if someone's like a rapist today and, yeah, the, oh, they had a rough upbringing, it wouldn't matter to me. They're a rapist. Well, but, um, but in, yeah, in this book, it's like I you kind of feel that line like, oh, this. But then it's like it's not enough because he's so has no remorse. And he's um, it's just yeah, it's, it's the same. Like yeah. if you're if you were a victim of like child abuse as a child does not give you permission to be an abuser as an adult. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's one of those things where societally, and I think rightly so, we expect people to a certain extent to be able to overcome whatever incident has happened in their life and for there to be a moral compass there, yeah. which is what makes a sociopath, though, because the moral compass isn't there. Right. Yeah. So you don't feel bad for him, but like, I'm just interested in how this happens. Yeah. Like, I thought it was really interesting. Like, I didn't. I don't read crime novels. Me neither. Like, I'm a little bit, I mean, after recording this, like, I, we're recording right now, and Jeremy, my fiance, is not home tonight, and I'm going to be like, I need the lights on, because I read this book today. You think it's that scary? I just am very, like, that's how bad I am, as, like, I can't read or do anything with scary things, and so, like... This book yeah. is way out of my comfort zone, but I really liked it. Yeah. I feel like this book, did, I don't read a lot of crime novels either. I feel like the only ones I've read are the ones by J.K. Rowling, you know, um, which are really good, but they don't freak me out. Mm-hmm. Um, like The Stand by Stephen King, that's the last book that I remember freaking me out, um, which is about like disease, like, a, you know, because it felt so realistic. Mm-hmm. This is like, and this is still, is like, this is still written in the 50s. I don't, it's not graphic in any way. No. And so it definitely, it doesn't get me, it doesn't get me like that. But it's definitely in a genre that I don't read. It gets me because it's like, he's watching all these people, could someone be watching you? I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. Okay, so really creeped you out. All right. Yeah. But I liked it. Like, I would read the other ones. You don't like to start a series and not finish it. I know. Uh, that. Well, that is a problem, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I I think it's really interesting. Um, I also think it was interesting to watch his evolution through the book. Like, 
It doesn't seem like he's murdered anyone when the book first starts. He's just done petty crimes. And then how quickly he goes to a murder. And then once he's murdered, how quickly his brain is able to process, oh, if I kill this person, here's how I would get out of it. Yeah, and it's like like he can see it like, oh, I'm backed into a corner. This is my only option. Decision made instantaneously. I have to kill this person. Which Um, is really interesting and scary. And creepy, yeah. It's really creepy. So, I mean, I... um, I liked it. I also thought this book was so easy to read. Yeah, it had a nice flow. Like, it was published in the 50s, and it was still, like, I mean, not that the 50s were that long ago, but, like, it was really easy to read. It read really modern. It was, I thought it was, like, a good, like, paperback kind of novel level of reading. Like, it was good. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I, it was interesting. I, I did find it kind of slow. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not in a genre. It's not like to my taste. It's not in a genre that I'd pick up. Yeah. I don't think I would read the rest of them, even though I like it's it, this book was interesting. I wouldn't have picked this up with for Alpha the podcast. I don't think. I don't think I would have either. No. Have you seen that '90s movie of that's? Ever I have not. Me but neither. Matt Damon plays Tom Ripley in it. Oh, so Matt Damon's the murdering sociopath. No surprise there. <laughs> So that's interesting. He might, he might make a good murdering sociopath. Yeah, so that would be... I, I kind of want to watch it now because I just think it'd be interesting to see how someone plays this character. Yeah, it's probably a really great, like, 90s spy type movie, which I feel yeah. like that's a category in itself. That's entertaining. Yeah, I mean, um, and it was a really popular movie. I think it won awards and stuff. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. The... The other thing that I thought about reading this book is that um, in the beginning of the book, before the, he murders Dickie, mm-hmm. Tom is, like, going with him, and he's trying to befriend him and kind of get in on his lifestyle by being his close friend. Um, and uh, and he's, like, very infatuated with him in a way that later mm-hmm. leads to the murder and the impersonation. But at the beginning, when you don't know that's going to happen, and then he, there's, like, a female friend in Dickie's life that she loves him, but he's, like, not that into her, but they're, like, kind of together, you know? in a very loose way. And Tom just hates this woman immediately. He doesn't want her around. He wants to be alone with Dickie all the time. He's very possessive of mm-hmm. him. Um, to the, where I was just like, is Tom, do you think that Tom is gay? Um, and then when I was reading the author description in the back of our book, it talks about how under a pseudonym before this book came out in 1952, she published a book, The Price of Salt, which had been turned down by her other previous American publisher because of its frank explorations of homosexual themes. So I feel like this author has, he does have a history of writing about those themes Mm -hmm. and, um, Tom and I, and I, but I feel like he's also like, if he is, she is saying that he's gay. He's a really terrible stereotype of gay people because he really hates women. And that's not Mm -hmm. true. Like when you're gay, that doesn't mean that you hate women. Those are separate things. Um, but I feel like, I feel like that it's like such an, he has like an obsessive love for Dickie. And it's like, I don't know if it's for Dickie or it's just for his, for his like everything that being Dickie means. You know? I did read ahead to see what the second book was about. And it says in the information that he's married now. That doesn't mean that but he's that straight. But that doesn't mean he's straight. <laughs> so um, it was interesting. I wasn't sure if the... I wasn't sure if the reason they were bringing up like, oh, are you gay? Are you... um. Oh, yeah, because the woman accuses him of being gay. Yeah, was because of, like, the, the author was trying to point out, like, stereotypes at the time about having, like, relationships with men kind of thing. Like, how men should interact with each other. And because Tom was so obsessive, 
he didn't mm-hmm. fit like that relationship. Yeah, I feel like more he's mold. maybe like asexual. Mm-hmm. Like he's kind of asexual. And yeah. so, but it was interesting. I did think it was interesting that it came up over and over again. Like people yeah. would be insinuating that he was gay, um, and then being immediately offended by it. And I think it's interesting that a woman in the 1950s like. Was even thinking thinking about it, yeah. And I wonder like how controversial it was for that reason when it came out. Yeah. And I feel like we've said before, are there going to be any books on the list with that are about with gay characters? And I feel like this qualifies, even if it's kind of in a weird way that doesn't really stand the test of time. Mm -hmm. Um. But but I feel like it was early days for a book to be published about that that wouldn't that wouldn't be considered like smut, you know? Yeah. No, it was really interesting, and it was interesting too. Um. Something I found specifically creepy about this book um <laughs> you found it so creepy i did was um along that line of that obsessive kind of like not love but obsession that tom had was how quickly he uh how thoroughly he needed to emulate the person like it wasn't enough to have their facial expressions it wasn't enough to sign his account he had to be wearing his clothes and doing Things that he would do and act. And like, even, like, keeping up his habit of painting, and mm-hmm. even though he didn't like, know how to paint before, yeah. So it was really interesting because it was so... He basically wanted to take himself out of his skin and put him into this other person's skin. Yeah. Yeah, and that, yeah, I feel like that's not any any kind of straight or gay love. It's, I think he does... It's obsession. He's more like it's asexual because he doesn't have the ability to connect with another human mm-hmm. being on that level. And it was interesting, too, because he... He would, if in a situation where he wasn't related to that, Tom Ripley or the Dickie Green, whatever his last name was, um, he would adapt other roles, like, temporarily. Like, now I'm going to be this for 20 minutes and just yeah. see what happens. Now I'm going to be this for 20 minutes. It was really, like, planned out and methodical. And I get, I just thought it was creepy. Yeah, it's like that, like... That thing how in life kind of everyone sometimes feels like they're being their fraud, you know, mm-hmm. but like turned up by a thousand degrees. Yeah, like that's yeah, all to he like had. a really, really terrifying level. Yeah. Um, I also think it's interesting because we have a whole genre of books that are like this now. Yeah, like, there's definitely there's is, TV yeah. shows like there's Dexter, which is kind of along these lines mm-hmm. about someone who's kind of sociopathic, um, but was like taught to only murder bad people not good people like as a way to kind deal of with deal with yeah. it um we have the books like uh girl on the train is the one i'm thinking of but that's not the one i really mean um oh you mean um the one with the wife with a wife yeah um uh, and ben affleck is in mm-hmm. the movie um what is that book called pause uh it was so famous. Like, yeah. I read it. Yeah, uh, I read it too. Dark Places? No. no. That's another one by that author. Yeah. Jillian Flynn is the Jillian author. Jillian Flynn, yeah. We'll um, but, like, that genre, she's, Nicole's going to look up the title for us, but, like, that genre of book um, about really the darkest places where people go and how they get there, and I, I wonder if this was one of the first books to really do that gone girl gone girl thank you yeah yeah i feel like gone girl is the direct descendant of this book yeah for sure well and like dexter 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't watched that because it's too scary. <laughs> I know it's interesting because I, I can read it. I can't it's watch it. Scary. It has books too. It was based off books. Huh? Um, yeah, and so I feel like there's a whole genre and a whole sub like set of people who read only this. Yeah, genre. this kind of genre. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people who are like the people I remember reading once that like in the United States, the people who are above average readers, so they read like, you know, more than ten books mm-hmm. a year or whatever. I think the average is like six. And so like people who are, are like really voracious readers who read fifty, hundred books a year, they mostly read historical fiction and crime novels. Which is sensical, yeah. 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 So I thought that this was um while it's not my taste and it's not something I would just normally pick up, I thought it was good. I thought it was yeah, I feel like I didn't find it as creepy as you. I feel like I, my 2018 self is too jaded to be really creeped out by this. Um, you're shaking your head. <laughs> you're creeped out by it. Um, yeah. So I, I just thought it was like pretty mild, but it was it was like thoroughly readable, but I don't find it. It's not memorable for me. It's not. I don't think I'm going to think about this book again. Um, but it is. But I agree that it is like foundational in the genre. Mm-hmm. And I also. Um... I think it was really well done. So I think that something that crime novels can turn into is they can turn into dime store like paperbacks uh-huh. really quickly because they're so mass produced now. Um, but I would I would feel like if someone was holding up like good crime novels, like this would be one of them. I'm thinking about the only other crime novel we read for the list. To each his own. To each his own. I did think about that. This is better than that. It's me. better than to each his own, which we just removed from the list in our check over at book 20. Because so. it wasn't, we didn't really feel like it was foundational enough. Yeah. So we don't have a crime novel on there. Yeah. And so that's the thing I was thinking too, is that um, we took to each his own off the list. But if we hadn't, after reading this, I would have wanted to take it off the list because I feel like this is better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this follows like... This is a lot more structurally like a, mo- a crime novel that came out yesterday compared to Teach's Own, you know? like this, True. Yeah, so I feel like that shows that it's... Um, Much more foundational. foundational. Yeah. 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 So there's that, um, which I think means we're kind of starting to lead into to wrap up. Yeah. what we would think. So yeah. do we want to do a countdown and then say why? Sure. I'm not oh, sure man. I know I'm, yet. I'm, Yeah, I still feel torn. I have a feeling we're going to have another split decision like we did Two last week. Two in a row. Crazy. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm, I might be making this decision based too much on taste. I'm trying really hard not to. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, one, one two, two, three, three yes. No. Oh, yep. Split decisions. <laughs> I think this is a better version of crime than anything else we've read before as a crime novel that serves foundationally for where crime novels have went from this. Because I could directly pinpoint four or five novels that I'd be like, I bet their author has read this. Very true. Um, If that makes sense. And that's not really knowing the genre. So I bet if I knew the genre better, I could point to even more that would kind of reflect this writing. Um, And so because of that, I feel like it belongs like, also think that sociopathy is not something we're gonna have a lot of on the list Mm, yeah um like that direct like no emotion because there was nothing to talk about in terms of society and race relations and there was a little bit about like um (laughs) beginning to look at um not gender 
homosexuality yeah but i was trying to think of like um like sexual orientation i was like yeah. trying to think of the gen- broader term yes. um sexual orientation but there wasn't there wasn't any like gender relations really he hated women but it didn't really it was more him like there was nothing really else to this yeah. it was solely looking at like is he a sociopath or is he not? Like, what does it look like to be a human when you don't have feelings for other humans? Yeah. And I don't think there's going to be a lot of that on the list. And because everything we've read so far is so, like, how do humans interact with each other and how do we build our society around that and all that stuff, I think that it's interesting (laughs) to have this opposite where someone doesn't relate to humans what does that actually do wow this is very convincing you're nearly (laughs) nearly convinced me to change my vote i because well don't change it yet unless you really want to (laughs) because um the two weeks in a row i changed my vote at the last second yeah um but i because i feel like that's why i don't like it yeah because i as you always say you don't like to have to dive deep for the meaning i like Right. I like it. And so the fact that there isn't anything, it's not saying anything about society. It's not Mm -hmm. not anything about major societal issues Then I'm like, I'm bored with it. Yeah. And I feel like I read current novels that don't say anything about society, but then they're like fast paced and exciting. Mm -hmm. And this book is I don't find this book exciting. So it's like not scratching like either box, checking either box. And I do think it's foundational in genre. And we've certainly used that to put the books on the book before books on the list before but still but I'm just like I'm just not into it like I'm not I wouldn't recommend this book to anyone because because I, I don't feel like I've, I, I've it was too boring for me I would recommend it to someone who likes crime novels but I still don't think this doesn't stand up to the excitement of a current crime novel that's because and I think people really and I think people read them for the crime for excitement how people get murdered now which is a disgusting trait of our society but that's a whole other conversation yeah and maybe this book caused that <laughs> Just kidding. A lot of factors. Yeah. But the so this is definitely one that I could see myself changing my vote on at book 40 when we mm-hmm. review this set of 20 because I think your argument is very strong and maybe I'm voting too much based on my personal taste. But I, I this book just it was too, it was fine. But there was nothing. <laughs> it was it was just fine. Yeah. And fine is not good enough to, for me to say every person alive should read this book before yeah. they die. All right. Period. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see if you change your mind. Yes. Come to the dark sociopathic side. <laughs> okay, what's our next segment about? Um, Our next segment is looking at what are your pet peeves as a reader. Ooh, I love lots of them. I feel I have like. many. I have one, which we've kind of touched on before, that's a physical one. And then I have one to do with plot. And that you don't like it when there's not chapters. No, that, oh yeah, that's another one. I was like, structure. (laughs) And structure. So I have three key areas. Okay, let's hear, let's hear them. You give one and then I'll give one. Physical, don't bend the pages in my books, which that's the one we've talked about before besides the page numbers. I hate it. I hate bent pages. Use a bookmark. Use a sticky. I don't even mind underlining in books sometimes if they're yours. I don't like bent pages. I don't. I can't. Mm. I can't do it. I don't think I have any physical pet peeves. Um, also, can we talk about how my uh, my copy came bent? Oh, man. And it's very triggering. <laughs> um, I'd say one of my pet peeves is I really um, hate books that are just about families that fight and there's no resolve. 
Can't stand it. Can't can't stand books, movies, any story where it's just like the family's all together at a funeral or whatever, and they uh-huh. just argue and argue and argue, and be and you hear about all the past ways they've argued and they're still arguing about it, and then the book ends. Oh, I, I hate those kind of books. I find them so like irritating, and they make me like anxious, stressed out. And then there's no, I don't need there to be like a happy, happy ending, but just there's just no point. To there's me. no. There's, I mean, there needs to be a narrative, a narrative arc that I feel like. I hate those kind of books. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I my other one, um, my second one that everybody knows is I need there to be chapters. God damn it. <laughs> there has to be chapters. They have to be divided. I preferably like it when the chapter starts on the next page. Oh, sure. This one did not. But I that is my preference because I like there to be a clear cut pausing point. <laughs> Yeah. And I just, I never realized how bad at triggering Until it was Until we're for reading me. so many Until books we've without we've read so many without There's them. There's so many without them, And yeah. I'm like, it is ingrained in me that I need those. Yeah. I would say I don't need them. I need there to be, so, like, neither to be, even though there's just, like, there's three sections. And then occasionally there's, like, three dots on the page, you know? And then there's, like, a, goes down a few spaces. If it's just blocks of text yeah. for 400 pages, that's, yeah, I don't like that either. Caravan Sarai, we're looking at you. <laughs> Um, uh, let me think of another one. I feel like I don't, I feel, yeah, I feel like I don't have any really like structural or physical ones. Mine are, they're more about plot. I, because you're not as OCD as I am. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not into books that are just only character studies. Mm-hmm. I need there to be stuff to happen. I like just like a person in a room going deep into their mind bores the hell out of yeah, me. me I'm, not, I'm not into it. Um, yeah. If it's gonna yeah. do that, it needs to be a, like a short, like a poem. Yeah, <laughs> I could do a poem about that. Ten pages. Yeah, yeah, short story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but I'm, yeah, I'm not. You. I'm not into that. I really, really hate when you're reading a series and it's become popular over the course of it, and you can tell in the last book that the author was too scared to end it the way they intended, and so like nobody dies. Yeah, or I hate that. Everybody just is happily ever after after something where clearly people should not be happy. Yes, like yeah. it or is, they don't resolve like the love triangle or whatever. They just leave it. They it is yeah. so annoying to me. <laughs> like yeah. if you kill characters, yes, I'm gonna be mad. I was furious for the first thirty minutes after I finished the Hunger Games series. Like furious. And then I sat down and I was like, no, that was the right ending for this book series. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like if you shy away from an ending because you now have an audience, it's really infuriating. Yeah. Or like that that series Delirium Mm -hmm. where she leaves it really vague at the end because it was going to become a TV show, but then it never did. So there's just no ending to it. So So, stupid. And I loved that series. It's so annoying. Or even like. Really popular, like Sarah J. Mass. Yeah. In A Court of Thorns and Roses. Yeah. In the third book, somebody should have died. Not, yeah, weak, weak ending. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, Be brutal. Yeah. There was like this horrible battle, and everybody, had, spoiler, sorry, almost everybody ends up being hunky dory and fine. And like, there's a short story where there's some trauma, but like, people should have died. Lots yeah. of people should have died. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also another one for me that I do have like a more like a physical one. I hate it when 
they replace the cover with the movie cover. And then oh, you can only find the movie cover. Nobody wants that. <laughs> Stop no. doing it. it. There's no way that can make them sell more books. The people who like the movie first can still discover the book with the original cover. They can read. They're like, going to be looking they for can the find book, it. So you know, like, yeah. it's not like selling. Ugh, I just that is can't a stand that. They're so ugly. Yeah. so ugly. All right, one more each, and then you can come up with one more. Okay, all right, I can come up with one more, yeah. Okay, so my, let's see. Oh, here's my next one. When a trend in books becomes really popular, and so people all start writing that trend, yes. but they're not adding anything new to it. Yes. So, like, vampires became really popular. If vampires are popular and you can add something really cool to vampires, I got no problem with it. But if you're yes. all writing watered down versions of Twilight, I don't want to read it. Same with there was a while when dystopian teen novels Everywhere, were amazingly yeah. popular and only like three or four of those series are any good. And even some one of the like like some of the ones that got popular I thought were bad, like the yeah. Maze Runner ones. I read all those books and they were not good at all and they didn't resolve. Nope. Problems on, problems on multiple levels. And like so, yeah, when, like, when an author jumps on a, like, train, and I think a lot of times it probably has good intent. Like, people are really into these. These are really cool. I've read some of these. I and really I like them. And I can make money. I think yeah. it's more about that. And I can make money off of them. And then they're not good. Yeah. Like, don't give me werewolves if you're not going to do werewolves well. Don't give me teen love triangle if you're not going to do it differently. Oh, you know, you know, another one that has been like that is fairy tale retellings. Ugh. There's an explosion of fairy tales. And some of them were good. I read some great ones. Yeah. But some of them were just like, yeah, we get it. <laughs> and, and it's so, like, yeah. I love fairy tale retellings. But Me when too. they all came, and the problem is when they become so popular, then you were responsible for weeding through the bad ones to find the good ones. Yes. Yeah. Which is a pain. Which is just terrible. Yeah. Okay. All right. I was trying to think of another one. Uh, I feel like I had another plot one. What was it? That, um, oh, I think, and I also think I just like, I have a strong distaste for novels that have a romance where the relationship is really unhealthy, but then they pretend that it's a happy ending, but you're like, this is stupid. They're like abusive to each other Mm -hmm. or like they only met a day ago. Like I don't, like I just, I, I want it to be, it can be like lighthearted you mm-hmm. know and it can be a little fairy tale-y but but i just can't stand it when like relationships that i feel like would meet the standards for like abuse in one form or another are like the pinnacle of a series of a novel or a series of novels and there's a whole that's another thing that people jumped on the bandwagon of after 50 shades of cray yeah yeah, and just like like Twilight, I feel like, like that love story is like really heaven. It's like really terrible, you know. Yeah. I t- I mentioned that one on the podcast that I read about the like girl in Scotland on the island, right? Mm-hmm. And then she like the guy like they he's just treats her bad the whole time, and then the last twenty pages they get together and he loves her and she's totally fine with it. She's like it's just like if you wrote a strong fo- woman woman character to be the lead, then she's not just gonna fall for a guy who's treated her like yeah. shit for four hundred pages, you know. Um, it's unrealistic, and so. I just yeah I just and I just feel like it sets up like especially for young adult books like young women are reading them and it's I don't know it's bad well and even I like I really like the bad guy gone bad boy gone good but like I don't like it when it's too easy for him when it's just like oh suddenly I look at you and we're in love 
Like, yeah, and I and I didn't be, change at all. I didn't yeah, change there my has behavior to be at all. Some yeah. work. I'm not like I'm not opposed to you being a terrible human at the beginning and you working and having me retribution too, me too, and yeah. becoming a good human. Yeah, but it, I only don't like it when they don't change at all yeah. and the woman's just like it's fine. Yeah, that I feel like is really really ridiculous. Yeah, yeah agreed. Yeah, <sighs> I bet I could come up with a lot more of these if I. I know we could do we should it. do another segment of this at <laughs> twenty down the line or something because I definitely yeah. There's a lot of pet peeves. And it's interesting because when you read so much, like, I feel like you get really like, no, I don't like that. No, I don't like that. No, I don't like that. Yeah. And I mean, because there's so many things out there. You have to be able to curate what you're Mm -hmm. reading to some degree, of course. So you're going to, like, skip out on things that look like that. Yeah. Look like people just arguing. That would be my, (laughs) you know. I don't mind those, actually. Uh, What? I... What do you get out to of them? To a certain extent. Because <laughs> I think they feel real sometimes, but yeah. not if it's like, I'm trying to think of like an example. I can't think of a good one, but like, I didn't like Royal bombs. Me neither. But I like the Family Stone. Oh, I, I that was my main one. I was thinking that I hated the Family Stone. Oh, but I like the Family Stone. Yeah. So see, like, yeah, I don't know. But those were both movies. Yeah. Well, yeah, I haven't read as many books because I'll definitely not finish a book if it's like that yeah. versus a movie you know if i can tell it's gonna be that kind of movie or that kind of book i mean perfect uh, all right are you ready to draw our book for next time yes i am book, ready. Tw- book 25 dun, 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 dun. it is read it to us Charles. look homeward angel by thomas wolf so this is a book we have mentioned in the podcast before that we drew this book to be our very second second book on the podcast mm-hmm. and we started it and we're like oh it was really long and really hard to read and so we just like let's skip it and we'll come back to it but we've decided to come back to it we're earlier, gonna do earlier it. than we were joking that we wouldn't read it until book 900 but we've decided because i've now filled up a whole bookshelf with podcast books and i and i want you know this book is the book on the end and so we need to read it now um and i have a feeling that we've read other books that have really stretched us and we've gotten through them even and we have found things to like in them and so i think we've stretched our muscles to do that yes. and so we might be more prepared to read this book now um but i can't say that either of us are really stoked um <laughs> to, i mean to read get back into it i'm stoked to have it not waiting over us Yes, I yeah, it's going to feel very free and light. And we've always said that we get one book where we say we're not going to read it, and we both joke that it'll be this book. But I feel like it's only book twenty-five. We can't use our one book. I feel on like we both read Titus Grown and Gormenghast. We can read this. Yeah, I mean, what could be? Yeah, I mean, they, this might be in the bottom three with those two. Who hard to say? But that would be my line. Like, if it's if I'm feeling worse about it than Titus Grown and Gormenghast, I'm gonna be like, this is my freebie. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, it out. but I, I don't think it's gonna be. That I don't think bad. it's gonna be that bad and it's like we've read quite a few because we when we started the silk we were like oh that's like so pretentious the man it's like mm-hmm. it's kind of autobiographical and it's so pretentious but now i feel like we've read a lot of books by men that are very wish fulfillmenty and will have like a tougher skin yeah and just be like yep men write books as wish fulfillment and women but the ones we've read have all been by men <laughs> i don't think yeah i don't think it's gonna be as hard i do think i already know from having read the first couple chapters before that the author's overuse of commas and run-on sentences is going to make me want to oh, gouge my eyes out. I forgot out. about how there'd be, like, paragraph-long sentences. But we're going to do it. 
It's totally going to do it. And we're going to read it in a week. I'm going to laugh if we end up liking it. How great would that be? I know. I want to go into it with a fresh, fresh eyes and a fresh heart and like high. I want to like set good expectations. It might be amazing. Yeah. We didn't get very far into it before we gave it up. No. We're going to hope. So and I feel like it's like a follows him in his life. And so maybe when he gets a little bit older, because I remember finding it very annoying that it started when he was in the womb, but he was totally conscious. Um, uh, life is a caravan's ride. Uh, so we haven't had good luck with those books in the past. But I love how often I bring that one up, even though we hate it. Sometimes that well, that's what makes a book memorable. <laughs> you oh, love you love to hate it, you know. True. Yeah. Um, and the books that we feel just blah about, like those are the ones that definitely are on are the list. really dangerous. And that we don't like talk about ever, you know? So there's definitely those on the list. Ironic. <laughs> um, I think that means that it's time to wrap it up. Um, if you would like to, we would definitely encourage you to follow us on social media. We are at 1001bookspodcast at gmail.com. And we're on. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at 1001BooksPod, and on Litzy at 1001BooksPodcast. And we would love to hear from you. If you have an opinion about the talented Mr. Ripley, I know it's a pretty famous yeah, book. So con- maybe... Convince me. You know, I'm on the fence. So, <laughs> um, But until we talk to you next week, happy, happy reading! reading.